What's up, everyone? Happy Friday. So glad you're here with us on another edition of the show. Jason Ross here with you, and we got a big day ahead for you here on Sports 1140 KHTK. How's everybody feeling out there on this Friday? Getting ready for a good weekend ahead. Let's, we're going to start you out in style right off the top of the show. I mean, we're not even going to get into first things first or run down the show. I'm giving away something right off the top. Sacramento State UC Davis basketball four-pack. Right now, call 1-800-920-1140, 1-800-920-1140. Caller number five will win a four-pack of tickets to see Sacramento State take on UC Davis in the causeway of basketball at Golden One Center. Uh, that is next Tuesday. For tickets and more information, visit khdk.com. Again, 1-800-920-1140. And uh, you might be the lucky winner if you're caller number five. Call right now, one 800 Nine two zero eleven forty. All right, so that's the giving mood, and uh, I don't know. Sometimes you put good things out in the universe; good things come back to you. Can't we all use that today with the Sacramento Kings? Man, man, oh man, oh man! If the team that needs a win, it's the Kings. They are coming home. The NBA adage: home cooking. Well, I think everybody's in disbelief on this team. At least that's the gauge I get from a lot of you out there, based on reasonable feeling of a one and three disappointing road trip but tonight's a new opportunity they get the toronto raptors we're going to talk more about that today on the show we also are going to dive into the weekend of the nfl because it got started last night and of course the raiders have to get back on track the niners want to keep it going they come off a really impressive win on monday night but can they keep that going and then we got to talk local football later in the show as well we are going to talk about the causeway classic so today not only a, a ton of nba and the kings in the 4.30 segment, we are going to talk about the NFL and the Raiders and the Niners. But Lincoln Kennedy will join us for his weekly visit. And then at 5 o'clock, the Causeway Classic, UC Davis, Sacramento State. That's coming up. We will talk about that with the coaches as uh, Troy Taylor, head coach at Sacramento State, will join us. Also, uh, Dan Hawkins, the coach at UC Davis. We've got interviews with them that we have uh, taken care of, and we're going to have you guys hear that as we get you ready for tomorrow's Causeway Classic. But... With all that said, let's do it. Let's start the show as we always do with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, First Things First here. It is Kings back at home against the Toronto Raptors. And the thought process here is, what are the Raptors? What's going on with their season? To me, right now about the Sacramento Kings, nothing is about the opponent. It really isn't. It's about the Sacramento Kings. How are they going to play? How are they going to fare? How are they going to sort this out? Um, last night, by the way, the Raptors did play as they went to Utah and the Kings who will play them by the way, tomorrow. So it's kind of a little trio of teams that are playing here. The Raptors, jazz Raptors, Kings then Kings jazz, uh, Toronto was playing great in the game for a while. And then it was a familiar friend that did some damage. Chested the gang deep three from Rudy Gay is good. Oh my goodness. Rudy Gay's making everybody happy. Yeah, Rudy Gay is back in the mix. Hadn't played for the Jazz, but now he's there. The first two times at least the Kings saw him. And in 18 minutes yesterday in that game against Toronto, I think he scored, yeah, it was 20 points. Seven of eight, super efficient, hit five threes. He was uh, he was hot. He was hot. Toronto, they're going to be relying a lot on guard play of Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., Um, You're also going to look at Scotty Barnes, who's been one of the true rookies that's gotten off to a good start. And they do have Siakam back, though he had a brutal game yesterday. Um, OG Ananubi will be out today. Uh, This is a team that's got a good starting five, an effective group. But I feel like 
they rely a lot on guard play. The Kings rely a lot on guard play. This could be a matchup that fits better, let's say, than example, tomorrow night against Utah. So if we start with this game, the Kings and the Raptors, Toronto um, started slowly at the very beginning of the season, then got hot. I think they had a stretch where they won about five or six in a row. Since that point, they're right now on a stretch where they have lost six of their last seven. They are seven and nine. So basically in the Kings region, right? They've lost three in a row. I always like to talk about win resume. Who have they beaten? Who should get your alert up? Well, they've beaten the Celtics. That was their first win of the year, and they beat them big time. Blew out the Pacers. Beat the Pacers, in fact, twice. Beat the Wizards, who are having a really good season. They got a win over the Knicks. They beat the Magic. They beat the Sixers. You're hearing some good teams they've defeated. And their record is 7-9, so basically the same as the Kings. Losses recently, Cavaliers, Nets, Celtics, Pistons. That one's a bit odd. Blazers and Jazz as they've come out here on this road trip. Um, Toronto. If you look at them statistically on the offensive end, number 20 in the league in scoring, about 106 a game, nothing that blows you away there. Not the best of rebounding teams down near the bottom in assists. So, you know, the Kings, I think, have some things that they can take advantage of today. But the question is, will they do that? Toronto defensively is top 14. So Kings, I think right now coming into tonight, if I remember seeing right around 25th, Toronto is 14th. So Toronto's a better defensive team coming in. Kings are a better offensive team coming in. To me, I don't know. It's a, it's about the style. It's about what will the Kings play like? What will they look like? What's their mental spirit like right now? Because I feel like that's the thing that's been most tested here as of late. That's what we've talked about over the last uh, day or so is – their mindset, their approach, the noise that's outside that they're trying to build a wall around and keep internally. And we're going to hear uh, more from our guy, Tristan Thompson, here in a moment. But the point is, all the I think everybody's saying everything internally, players, coaches. It's about doing. I mean, I love what Tristan Thompson said the other day. I love it. But if, to me, it doesn't have to come down to that, or did it? And if it did, and that's the trick, great. Kind of with a question mark, great. Why did you need that? Tristan didn't need it. Why did the rest of the group need it? That's something that the coaching staff and the players have to figure out themselves. But tonight, it's the Kings. It's the Raptors. It's an opportunity to point it back in the right direction, even if it's for a night or if it's for a while or if this is the start of something. What you're trying to do is stop the run that they're on where it's less of feeling good about the team. You want them to be in these games, have chances to win, and look like a cohesive team. And I think they were doing that for stretches of the season. Lately, they're not, and it was a really disappointing game. And you know what else would help? And it can't just be relying on this. Make some shots. Man, they were awful collectively the whole game long against Minnesota in a game that still felt with all that and all the turnovers and all the missed shots that they could have won, they just never got going offensively. So I still think of that as the strength of the team. Share the ball, move the ball, lots of players contributing. That, to me, is when the Kings look their best, even in this young 15-game sample size that we've seen so far. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Well, as I was just saying about the mindset, the psyche, the approach of the team right now, we'll re-rack another one of those great clips from Tristan Thompson. I guess the question is, will this do anything? I'm going to say this. I think um, no man in this world rely on another man to 
inspire them. Point bang period. You could put that in all capitals. Me personally, no one should ever need a coach to inspire you. If you don't get inspired in the game, then you shouldn't be on the court. Losing teams, losing players, you need to get inspiration from your coach. And I'm not, I'm not with that. My teammates better not be with my teammates aren't with it. Cause I know, I know guys want to win and they want to win badly. So it's not about coach Wallen inspiring you. This is not no glory road. No, you gotta be ready to play. Your numbers called you in the damn game. I don't need no coach to, to, to inspire me. Never that, never have, never will. The day I need a coach to inspire me is the day I'm retired. I'm gonna go play with my kids in the park. So uh, I speak for my teammates with, with that quote. I love it. I love the passion that he has. And like I said yesterday, I disagree a little bit on some of the things. Tristan Thompson, I don't think, needs that. Doesn't need the kick in the pants. Doesn't need to be the motivation. Um, but he he knows. He's been to the highest level. He's won a championship. He's probably, more importantly, lost a championship. That feeling stinks. It's awful when you get that far and you lose. And he did it a couple times against the Warriors. Now he also knows what the other side is. He's been at a parade and drinking champagne and celebrating the highest of highs. So, yeah, this team doesn't have LeBron. I get it. But that team had LeBron and some other nice players, role players. The Kings are trying to build into something. And I think Tristan Thompson has the characteristics or knows the characteristics of what it takes. Where, like I said, where I disagreed with him a little bit is not every player is wired the same or thinks the same or doesn't think they need a coach to maybe they do maybe some of them do and that's where the individual coaches and the head coach Luke Walton have to figure out what does this player need do I need to threaten them with playing time do I need to yell at them do I need to coddle them do they need a hug do I need to you know everybody handles things differently and I think the quicker you can uh, figure that out the better off you are but I think the overall point of what Tristan Thompson was saying is he's tired of it He's tired, and he hasn't been here for the 15 years. Fans, I get it. You guys are all well beyond tired of of the up-and-down nature of a little glimmer of hope here, and then whoosh, the rug's pulled out from you. Um, he's like, I haven't been here for all 15 years, and we're not going down this road. I'm telling you, we're making the playoffs, basically is what Tristan Thompson is trying to say. And I still think they can. I still think they can reach a lot of these goals. Is it take his comment? Does it take... Uh, tough love? Does it take uh, roster moves? Does it take a coaching? I don't know the answer to all of this, but as they're constructed right now, I still maintain they have enough to be a top 10 team. I'm going to stick with that until I'm proven wrong. Right now, they're just on the outside edge of that, not far off that, but that's not, you don't want to just be that, hey, we're so close and we just made it because everybody else was just worse. That's that's not what Tristan's talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. You want to feel like some of the games earlier in the year where you go, man, okay, I do think this team is better. Looks like there's more to it. I'm believing in the in the defense Im- improvement, the lineup improvement, and then as you go, you hope you make it even more clear to Monty McNair in the front office of what's the other piece to need that really vaults you up, like not just by process of elimination, like I said earlier, but by performance by personnel, by roster grouping, you start to look at the team and go, no, this is this is different. This isn't the same old king. So they have to prove it. People will still label them that until they're not. And as of now, they still are that team. And um, I'm anxious to see if those strong, motivating words that were said by Tristan Thompson to us, to the media, to the fans, what is he saying behind closed doors? What are those things that are said before the game? And it's not like they need a rah-rah speech, but 
you know, when you get to those points in a season where a team gets in a struggle and there's a closed door meeting, I think stuff like this gets said, open everything up, be truthful, be honest, not disrespectful, but if, if it's needed to call someone out as a, as a player on the roster, make sure you're looking at everybody and yourself included and Tristan included himself. So I think he shows some great leadership qualities that you want in a veteran like that that's been through the battles. Ideally, it's your best player, but I don't think – I think De'Aaron, Harrison Barnes, Holmes, guys like that are leaders in their own way by example, and I think there's there's value in that. But sometimes you need someone that's going to get after you. I think Tyrese is a guy that cares a lot, has a lot of passion, and, and is going to mold himself into that, but is also a great cheerleader. I think you need some of those guys too. So – We'll see. Will that will those strong comments by Tristan Thompson do anything for this team? That remains to be seen. And I'm not saying if they come out tonight, oh, that's it. That was it. Parts of it, elements of it, but maybe they just played better, shot the ball better. We have to let this have some time. Let him let his leadership qualities take over and and see see where it goes with this team as uh, they get ready for the front end of a back-to-back, a four-game homestand. Tonight is Toronto, tomorrow Utah. They still have Philly and Portland on this road trip. But we got much more on the Kings coming up throughout the show. Let's get you more First Things First. First Things First. All right, the NFL began last night with a new week of action, Week 11, and here come the Patriots. Patriot fans below our booth to our right celebrating. They came to this game in Atlanta, and the Patriots keep rolling. They beat the Falcons 25-0. Yeah, New England got it done with defense, certainly defense. I mean, you get a shutout in the NFL, you're doing something right there. The turnovers, the interceptions, the pick six. Um, offense was good enough. I know Bill Belichick talked post game, wanted more, and he should. But this team is hot at the right time, the exact right time, and maybe even if they can extend it going forward, this team is playing great right now and a team that is catching a lot of people's attention as it should because of their win streak, where they stand now in the AFC and even in the AFC East. I told you a couple of weeks ago, the team I've picked is Buffalo. And I thought, well, Buffalo can afford a loss like this. Nobody's catching them. And I was looking at the Dolphins and the Jets and at the time, the Patriots. Well, they're right on their heels and there's still a couple of matchups with Buffalo. So this division is not in the bag anymore thanks to a five-game winning streak by New England. That's impressive. I don't care who says anything about it. That was impressive what they've done and have done and will continue to do. And their setup coming up will be more and more difficult with the Titans, the Bills, the Colts, and the Bills are their next four. But imagine, I mean, if you think optimistically if you're a Patriot fan, what if you beat the Bills twice? You may be the team that's hosting a playoff game and has a bye and has the setup that you want and not Buffalo. And Buffalo might have to come through your place like it used to be with Brady and Belichick. Well, Mac Jones is doing his job. The defense is sensational right now. And they're winners of five in a row with a dominant performance in Thursday night football. That was really, really impressive. All right, more first things first. First things first. First things first. All right, 49ers. Will the real 49ers please stand up? I don't know who they are. I don't at this point. I believed in the team. I believed they were going to going into the year be the team that we saw on Monday night, closer to that. Then the year went on, and I'm like, yeah, it's just it's not there. They had a couple early wins against Detroit and who was week two? Philly. And the close one that could have gone either way on the great Aaron Rodgers comeback, that, that might have you know, change the dynamics of the season. 
you had the loss to Seattle. You had the game where uh, you had to go to Trey Lance because Jimmy G was out. You had the rain game with the Colts. And I felt like where the season was swinging was the Bear game. And they weren't playing that great against Chicago. But they had the good second half. Jimmy G kind of responded. Debo's been great all year long. They got the win that they needed. And then they were set up for the two games that I had talked about at that point. It felt like they saved their season, saved the direction after those four games in a row that they lost. And then it was Cardinals and Rams. you got to get one of the two. And they were so bad against the Cardinals. But they did respond Monday night against the Rams. So that leads us to where they are now, and that's Jacksonville. Not a great team, but not a team that the 49ers can just think, oh, we'll just show up and beat them. That's not the way this works. That's not the way any sport works. They've got to find more of the elements that they just did on Monday night, which was a, a decent enough passing game, mix in Kittle, mix in Debo Samuel, Ayuk, whoever they need to. But they got to run the ball with Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel and Jimmy G or when Trey Lance is ever healthy again and, and in packages that they can utilize him. This team's DNA is to run the ball. That's when they're best to control the line of scrimmage, to take the spirit away from another team, to own time of possession, to limit the turnovers, and then mix and match the passing game. That's that's it. That's the formula. And they got behind on the Cardinals and panicked. There was still time in that game. I think it was 14 nothing early, but there was time. And Jimmy G ended up throwing the ball 40 times. That's not the way this needs to work for them. Try your best to get it on your terms, which is run, run, run. Now, you get behind or you feel like you've got some openings passing the ball. Sure. I'm not saying abandon it. It's not even a balance for them to me. I think it's run heavy with the mix-in of the pass. Most teams will say they want to be balanced. I think that's the Niners at their best. The the way this roster is constructed, the way that Kyle Shanahan likes to call plays, I think he wants to limit the opportunities that Jimmy G has, but also because of the way that Mitchell has been running. And I know he hurt his finger in the last game. They're hopeful with that broken finger that he's able to play on Sunday. And I think he will. I think he should. But this team needs to be, I think at last look, they were about the same in passing and rushing in the league at 13 or 12, something like that. They need to be a top 10 rushing team, a top eight, top five rushing team. That is when the 49ers, this group of 49ers is at their best. That's it. I don't think there's any other way to look at it. If they can run and run effectively, they've got a really good chance to win. And Maybe even force it, force that against a team like Jacksonville. That You know, the Rams, there was some risk in that. If you had a couple of three and outs and the Rams offense got cooking, you might find yourself down 7, 14, 17, and then you're playing chase, and then you're throwing, and you got out of your whole scheme. But I think you're going to have time to be patient on it with the Jacksonville Jaguars, see if you can reestablish it again and dominate the game in the trenches and on the ground and get back to Niner football and get yourself to 5-5. Five and five. Oh, by the way, much like we were talking about the Patriots, there's more season to go, and you know they got some games I see still with like this week the Jacksonville Jaguars. You got the Texans, Falcons, you know a Seahawks game which is going to become critical. You still got another one with the Rams and some good teams like the Titans and so forth. But they're still in position with seven teams making in the NFC. They're in that crowded group of teams that really aren't better than the Niners, but aren't much worse either. But if they can get their ground game going, I think they separate themselves amongst that pack. And we'll see a really good version of the 49ers. They got to get to the running game consistently, and hopefully they'll continue to do that this week. All right, more first things first. First things first. First things first. first. All right, the Raiders, on the other hand, have to find it again. 
right? They just, ugh, they did not look good against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. We're going to talk about that later in the show around 445 with Lincoln Kennedy when he joins us. But I, I look at the Raiders and can understand a little bit of their trials and tribulations of the season. But every time when it looks like they kind of have their stuff back together, they have the last two weeks. It's the loss to the Giants where it just was ugly. And then the Chiefs, just nothing ever went right. They were still in that game until the later part of the third quarter. And then it just got totally out of hand and they couldn't handle Mahomes. And and a swing game that could have put them in the top of the division instead has them trying to figure out what they are again. And here they get Cincinnati, not an amazing team, a team that if you look at it from one extent has had some good wins, some puzzling losses. But I think about a game plan that could work for the Raiders on a game that I remember seeing quite vividly because of I was the surprise element of when the Bengals took on the Jets a couple weeks ago, a game that also when Cincinnati was rolling, all of a sudden they lose that game to the Jets. And remember the way that game started? Mike White was something like 15 of 15, and now he's not even starting for the Jets. But he threw for, I think he went north of 400. I, I, if I remember right, he was about 400 yards passing, three touchdowns, just lit up the Bengals. Well, if someone like that can do that, what can Derek Carr do? Carr has to be accurate, has to find and spread out his receivers and get everybody going. And I think they can almost win this one based on their offense. But their offense has to be special, has to be good, has to put up that 30-point performance that they did in their wins against uh, the Eagles and Broncos and I think it was the Dolphins earlier this year. Have to get high in that offensive passing total. They're second in the league in passing. They want to get more running game. It's just they're not a run team. It hasn't happened this year. Jacobs has been just okay. Drake. I mean, Drake had the 100-yard rushing game earlier this year. They need to get that going and find it. And it just hasn't been there. So, play, or it was actually Peyton Barber, I think, that had the 100-yard game, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, the point is they need to go on Derek Carr's shoulders and get to the air and attack the weak secondary, the weak passing defense that has been shown at times by the Cincinnati Bengals. This will be a tough one. Raiders are at home, really kind of need to redirect the season again to get to six and four. And then the short week, they play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. So not a lot of time to rest. They got to get going and hopefully they find it as soon as this week. Again, that game Sunday right here on KHTK. All right. One more thing on first things first. First things first. First things first. Hey, it's the Causeway tomorrow. UC Davis and Sacramento State in the 67th Causeway Classic. It's going to be awesome. So looking forward to this. And like I said, later in the show, we're going to talk and hear from both coaches, Troy Taylor at Sacramento State, Coach Hawkins at UC Davis. That's all coming up. But it's the Causeway. I love it. I love that this game has meaning this year after doing so many of these where both teams kind of came in at, I don't know, five and five, four and six, and you know the game is the final game. There was still fun in that because uh, you want bragging rights in the win for whichever school won that game. At least you ended the year with the high of defeating your rival. Well, the someone will still enjoy that this weekend, but both teams are going to have to watch on Sunday the ESPN FCS College Selection Show because both are going to the playoffs. Loser will be eight and three. Winner will be nine and two. And I think the difference here is, if I had to guess, winner will get a bye week and likely host in week two. So that would be a top eight seed. Loser, they're going to have to wait and see. I still think they will host, but they might host in week one and be team nine through 16 of the 24 playoff teams that make it in the FCS 
uh, the way it's set up. But uh, to see this rivalry that's had games played at Toomey Field, at UC Davis Aggie Stadium now, um, in Reno a couple years ago, at Hornet Stadium, at Hughes Stadium, in the rain and the sunshine early in the year. I love it now that it's the final game, but I also love it the most that both programs are really, really good and deserve to be in these spots. Good coaches, good game, good talent. And so, yeah, UC Davis at 8-2, and two, Sacramento State at 8-2. and two. I guess the one wrinkle this year, Sacramento State has a chance to win the Big Sky Conference with a win. It's either them or Montana State that will win the conference. The conference is going to get five teams in the postseason. It'll be Davis and Sacramento State, Montana, Montana State, and Eastern Washington. So Weber, who had been a regular, won't be there this year. But five teams representing this really, really good conference. And these two teams separated by, what, 11, 15 miles, whatever it is, uh, by the causeway, playing for, I still laugh at this big concrete trophy. Uh, but that's what one of the teams will be running around with at the conclusion of the game tomorrow uh, because of the win. I mean, they love it. That's that's the prize. There used to be a victory carriage. That still might be involved too, but uh, I love it. I love the game. I love what it means for the region, and I love that both football teams are really, really good. And like I said, we will hear from both of the coaches a little bit later in the show. All right, when we come back, we got to get much more into the Kings and the Kings in Toronto, really the Kings weekend, Kings Toronto, Kings Utah. We'll do that. We also tell you the Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. So let's talk about Kings and Raptors when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Oh, you've got a situation where right now, this team is still searching by playing Metu. And not only Metu, where's Harkless now? What is Marvin Bagley's role in this team? And the fact that they're 15 games in when it didn't seem to me entirely broken, they're searching. And that's the puzzle that I don't quite understand right now. And next week when we have Coach Walton on, I think we will. It depends on the you know next week with a holiday and we, we don't have a couple shows Thursday and Friday. But hopefully we get the coach on maybe Tuesday. And that, that is one of the questions I have. And I get it. What did he say? I, I have to go off of what his words were. He was looking for this team to have more rebounding, kind of a bigger presence, and probably a floor spacer in that rebounding to really open up lanes for Tyrese, for De'Aaron, and, and the other guards. Well, and that's why they landed on Chemezi Metu. And I don't even think that's a problem that they landed on Chemezi Metu. That's not the point here. The point is that they switched, and they felt that they had to. And I don't know if they did. And that's where I guess my concern is. And not that you solve that in, what, three games that Metu's been in the starting lineup? You, you don't solve it that way. You need more time. But... In moments, more moments in these games with that constructed lineup, I, I think they look worse. I think it's gone backwards. And I don't know that they had to do that go backwards to go forwards. I, I think this is just a, a gone backwards. You're playing, to me, in my opinion, some of your lesser talented players um, or less fit, you know, a, a worse fit. I think I think what they're trying to do is, is find a fit, but I think the way it's constructed today, I personally like it when they went small and put Barnes at the four. I think that made them a more unique team, a more difficult team. I feel like right now they're trying to be more of what everybody is. A five in Holmes, that's not a problem. Fox is your point guard. Halliburton, your off guard. Um, but that three-four combo, I think Barnes, when he's been put at the four, there's some size issues. There's no doubt about that. I'm not saying it that makes them the perfect team. I think it makes them the better team. 
Barnes has rebounded well when asked to be at that position. And then who's your three? Whether you play Harkless, whether you play – and Harkless would start, but how quickly would they come in with Mitchell or even Terrence Davis, whoever it might – or Buddy. I think they need to be playing those guards more minutes than trying to really cover the issue of rebounding with their bigs. And it's imperative for everybody to do it anyway, so they're going to need the guards to rebound better. But I'll have some numbers in our next segment about that and just kind of how it's looked and just not only numbers but just the eyeball test. How has it looked? I think most everybody listening now would say first five games, first eight, ten games, the Kings looked better than they have in the last five. You want to get coaches will always tell you we want to be better today than we are yesterday. Right now it doesn't feel like they are. Not only on result, but just the eyeball test, the way it's looked. And I think if they're chasing the rebound differential, I think it's cost them games. Not even games, it's cost them the look of how they were playing early and what they had identified even from back in the preseason. That other lineup of, of really spacing the floor with perimeter players, playing your best bigs, and kind of mixing and matching and making it difficult on other teams. I can't remember who they played early where it felt like they took out bigs because the Kings had so many wings, and they were the team that countered to the Kings. And I think Sacramento needs to do that more. I think that fits their personality better when they get majority of minutes between Fox, Heald, Halliburton, Barnes, Holmes, and some more of those guards, Mitchell, and then mix and match. And if it's Metu, that's fine. But I just feel like when it, they take Metu out, then they're looking at Bagley or they're looking at Thompson or they're look, and taking Holmes out, it's Thompson or Len. They're putting more bigs in there, and I, I think their best players, top to bottom, are their perimeter guys. So it's something to think about, something to look at, and something to follow as uh, this now stretch goes. And in fairness, I will give them more time. They need more time. Coach Walton said at least five games with that starting lineup that we've seen now that Metu's in it. I just I haven't seen the results yet. Not in, Again, not in just the win-loss because that's what we all look at. That is the important, relevant part here. But I just don't think it's looked as clean, as sharp, as um, and, yeah, some of the games they've rebounded better, but what has that done? What what has that really provided them? And I go to one, their best game this year. I mean, their absolute best game where all shots were going, and we all were enamored by that game against Charlotte. Now, a couple things at play here. Charlotte did not bother to even remotely defend at all. But the other huge statistic from that game, the Kings played a lot of their perimeter guys, went small. Remember, they, as Henry would say, they wanted all the smoke. And they came in, Co- Coach Walton said, Let's go. I want to run with this team. Lindsey Harding was G-Man's interview in the pregame. I want to run with this team. The Kings were brave and brash, and they had the bravado. Well, not only did they run, they ran them out of the gym, but they also doubled them up in rebounding. They played small. I'm not saying they're always going to out-rebound teams when they play small. I just think that's the better version of the Kings, at least this year. Now, they still need to address it and look at that and and find maybe more help in that wing and 3-4 position. But as the way they're constructed today with the current players on the roster, me personally, I like it when they play smaller better. All right, we'll get more into that as we continue. Again, we're at Golden One Center tonight. It is the Kings and the Raptors. More about this game, more about Toronto when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. That's right, Sugar Hill Gang will be here tonight. City Edition jerseys will be on display. It's the Kings and the Raptors back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Still to come on the show, Lincoln Kennedy will join us. We'll have him around 445 or so. Also, the two coaches 
from this upcoming Causeway Classic. We'll hear from Coach Dan Hawkins at UC Davis, and we'll also catch up with Troy Taylor, the coach at Sacramento State. They'll all be part of our uh, 5 o'clock segment where we preview the Causeway Classic. Really fired up for that game. I just, I'm totally fired up for that game. All right, was mentioning rebounding uh, going into the break and why I thought the Kings were, in my opinion, a little bit misguided on the thought of how much they are concerned about rebounding. Now, I don't think they should ever ignore it. I, I look at a game where it probably caught their attention, and I'm sure Coach Walton's attention, if we go to the second time they played Utah. Uh, the Kings were out-rebounded. This was their worst night, 59-38. to 38. So just dominated on the boards, and a lot of that's Rudy Gobert. I think if I remember right, it was Gobert and one other player – because Gobert had 20. It might have been three players that almost out-rebounded the Kings by themselves. But they lose by six. You wonder if the rebounding's are a little, uh, rebound margin is closer or if the Kings win. Maybe they can win that game. But when the Kings have been out-rebounded this year, they're four and three. So they have a winning record when they've been out-rebounded. When they have more rebounds than their opponent, they're one and five. And then it's happened twice where they have the same amount of rebounds and it's tied at one apiece. So that's kind of what I'm going on, but not just the statistics. It's just also the look. I like when they're playing more of the perimeter players, and I just think that's this group's best look. I think they need to hit threes. They don't need to shoot them at a crazy, crazy volume. But when they're really connecting and moving the ball, they move it better with those guys in the perimeter, better spacing. I think it tends to lead to more transition. This team is best in transition. And part of getting in transition is rebounding. I get that. I hear that. And Coach Walton says that a lot. And he's right. Finishing a possession by getting the rebound. That'll help you. But you also have some of your better players on the perimeter defensively. And I think you can get in passing lanes and create steals. Now, it leaves you a little vulnerable, leaving maybe Rashawn Holmes back there on an island. Or, uh, for example, I think when they played Indiana, that one was a tough one, too, just on matchup. That's a rare team that played two big guys in Miles Turner and Sabonis. But um, you look at that game. Let me see what happened in the Indiana game. I thought the Kings, uh, that was another one where they got out-rebounded pretty drastically. Now their best rebounding game where they dominated on the boards, that was the Charlotte game, 56-28. to 28. But again, when they have more rebounds than their opponent, that's the only one they've won. That is it. That one. And so was it about rebounding or was it about the franchise record 22 made threes that day? So there's a lot of different elements to figure out what team and why they're good. But even in the beginning, when the first, was it, eight games, nine games that the Kings had the lead in the fourth quarter, that was a team that was playing smaller. That was a team that was losing the rebounding battle, but was still either having a good chance to win or was winning the games. And so that's an area I just think that this team needs to continue to look at. And the fact that they still have to, I won't say this far into the season, but it just feels like, it's a little bit clunky, and you want to, to me, know what you've got in a team, and for the most part, they do. But when there's one starter you're changing, and not only the fact that you're changing one starter, you're also changing the dynamics of the bench. It's back away from what I had talked about before the season, the continuity that I thought was so valuable. I think it's important for players to know their role, for know when they're going to be called upon, and if you're not in the mix, to be ready because it could happen based on injury, a COVID test, a foul issue, an ejection. Uh, you just don't know when, but as long as your roles are defined, and there's certain players here that know they're going to come to this building tonight and play probably 25 or more minutes, 
and not everybody needs to know their exact minute total, but kind of what their expectations are and their roles are when they're asked to do it. And so I think it's also changed a little bit of the team concept. I think from the beginning, everything that was addressed was they have to be better defensively. There has been improvement. It's not great enough, but it's better from where they were. Is dead last at one point last year. I think they finished 29th. Right now they're 24th or 21st, somewhere in there. So it's better. It's definitely better. But still areas that need to get better. So it's interesting to me that I think the coaching staff believes that that stat and that improvement will grow on the rebounding realm as opposed to playing the smaller players. And I just don't know that I see it 100% that way. Now, early on, the Kings were giving up a decent amount of points. But here on this road trip, if we look at what they did, 136 to San Antonio, 105 OKC, 107 Detroit, 107 Minnesota. Those numbers may be a little bit lower than normal, but those aren't great offensive teams. I mean, they're really not. The Spurs weren't at all coming in, and that's the most points the Kings have been up this year when they gave up 136. So it's still a team that's searching, that's clawing, that's trying to find something that's going to work. And it's unfortunate that they're this far into the season, but the way the seasons go, things can change rapidly and on a dime, and it could be a very effective homestand, or it could be going a direction that's been uh, tough to watch. Hey, it's time to get a new mattress. Shop local. At Sleep First. Again, coming up in our next hour around 445, a lot of NFL. It's going to be another good NFL weekend ahead. Some good matchups. Will the Niners find the magic again that they did this last Monday? And the Raiders need to bounce back. We'll talk more Raiders with Lincoln Kennedy when he joins us about 445. And we have more giveaways today. Also the crossover. And at 5 o'clock, we'll preview tomorrow's Causeway Classic. But we're back with more. More on the NBA. We'll do that when we return right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.